Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Fiber New podcast. In this exit interview episode, former Fiber New franchisees Rick and Lynn Helpin talk about their 12 years of experience in the business, how and why they got started, the lessons learned along the way. They share some memorable job stories, both good and bad, and share some sage advice as parting words. In what we consider a perfect Fiber New success story after building a very successful business, Rick and Lynn have sold their territory to a new owner and are now spending more time with their grandchildren, fishing, golfing, and enjoying time with friends and family. As always, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you have any questions or comments for Rick and Lynn, you can leave them a comment with this episode or send them a message on Facebook. Take care, everyone, and cheers. I guess for me to kick it off is, you know, getting out of a senior manufacturing role at 55, not wanting to shut plants down and travel the world. I had nine plants, uh, seven in the U.S. and two in China. And corporate America is, is truly not in good shape. Uh, it's really people all fending for themselves, you know, especially at the senior levels. That's all they're really worried about, not the, the average daily workers or the, the plants themselves or even the products in a lot of ways. They, they don't want to know all of that. They just want to know the bottom line. And uh, a lot of times the bottom line is very short-term focus. So I was seeing that loud and clear. So getting out at 55 and just coincidentally working with a headhunter um, that said, let's, you know, after he got to know me, let's do this franchise show in Chapel Hill. And um, walking through there, he says, you, you sound a lot like me, is that you didn't really like doing what you were doing. And to go into a new corporation, first you'll be last in, first out again, and then you'll be back in that same corporate culture that's everywhere. You know, we lived in a, a nice golfing community outside of Raleigh. And I think we counted up one time, like 12 out of 14 people we knew regularly had all been retrenched or had left their companies because of the same kind of issues. So, you know, it was, it was pretty prevalent. I, I don't think it's any better now. So it came along at a good time for us. And then walking through Chapel Hill with that head honor and that executive search guy, it just was a natural drawer back to Fibernew. Not only my background in color and textiles, but just the corporate values of Fibernew, the, the ethics of Fibernew, the, the fact that almost everyone will need our services at one time if they're honest with themselves, you know, uh, the environmental side of Fibernew, the, there's so many things that we do and uh, it's, it's great since your leadership has taken over to see changes that have been positive, uh, that it's just, a, it's just a beautiful business. And you can work as hard as you want, or you can work as easy as you want. And the only reason you fail is because you weren't dedicated or persistent enough to follow through. So, you know, we've literally met thousands of people, hundreds of retail customers, businesses. You know, we have relations, you know, we're having to kind of go in these restaurants and these doctors and then and say, we're not there anymore. We're retiring. And they, they're, they're very congratulatory of what we've done for them. And then we introduce them to Chris or Eric and say, you can still be serviced by the Fiber New family. Um, but we've developed relationships with a lot of those people. Some of them are personal friends now, you know. It was a little slow go at the beginning because of 2009 and the introducing a new concept. But once we got our reputation out there, and uh, it's much, much easier now for the new guys based on what you've done and the internet has done and blogging has done and, you know, Google AdWords has done. We were plowing new ground back in 2009 
And it was, you know, we were out there popping things in mailboxes and, you know, doing cold calls and all of those things. Uh, a lot easier for the new guys and the new girls, but uh, it, it worked out. And we built our business plan around really residential furniture and then all of the other little pieces surrounding it, which is really the beauty of Fire Renew. If you have an eclectic business like that, when one's down, a couple others might be up, you know, they're not all going to be down at the same time. And, and we figured that out pretty quickly is that, you know, we, we can have the restaurants and the dental and the doctors and all that just to kind of support us when the, the you know, you'll see little cycles. We see cycles around the holidays where people want to stop spending the money a little bit around the you know summer when people are not repairing their stuff, but then, then it starts flowing again. We, we'd have the conversation a lot of times with Lynn would get nervous and say, I haven't had any major calls here. And then I say, just wait. And then a day later we'll be swamped, you know, <laughs> you know, things just, they pour in it just, Timing, you know, yeah. but the, the other beautiful thing or, you know, in, in, when you own a business like this, you got to be the planner. You got to be the purchasing agent. You got to be the customer service. You got to be manufacturing. You got to be technical. You got to do everything. I used to just pick up the phone and, and call those various assorted resources. And then now I'm the I'm ringing my own phone, you know, but it's also an excellent way of 12 year easing into retirement. We figured this is going to make full-time retirement easier because, you know, for all the years that Rick was in corporate America, um, whether he was working locally or traveling the world for work, then I ran everything on the home front and with the kids and everything. So I was in charge. <laughs> and then, um, you know, there was so much time that we didn't spend together. And then to come to where we were having not just coffee together in the mornings, but a lot of times we had lunch together and we still had to like each other for dinner. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> you know, on any given day, <laughs> depends on who was wearing the boss hat that day, you know, things. So it's going to be easier, I think, for us in retirement because we have for 12 years, for 30 plus, we weren't together. Then for 12, we have been together so many days, day in and day out. So if he'll just go fishing <laughs> a couple of times a week, play golf once or twice a week, we'll be good here. I'm sure that could be arranged. Be busy with the grandkids, doing all that kind of activity as well. So it's yep. going to be great. You know, we've even figured out in the last week is that you get these calls from furniture stores or from other from customers that say, oh, we're really glad that you're retiring, but you really did such a good job for us. Tell us about who's replacing you because we'd really, can you really come back out and do one more job? And we're like, no, we're booked and right up to the end. But uh, it just makes you feel good that customers that, you, you know, you've satisfied. And it's not like so many other businesses out there that compete with us that are really the wipe and spray guys that, they don't ever want to see their customers again. The customers, if they see them again, they want to wring their necks, you know, where we, we've done business for, you know, years with the same people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I've said on one of the calls when we used to do the, the sales calls is first thing we did was I came home and I redid my, my son's uh, Toyota 4Runner, the front seats, and then I redyed the couch here, the big leather sofa uh, to the color she wanted. And uh, but it's kind of a quality check, you know, every day you sit on those things or ride those things and our products hold up and that's not what the competitors do. So you're speaking from experience and you can honestly sit there and say, you know, our stuff has been anybody's out there. 
and our process is better. So, and we may charge a little bit more. First you get good, then you get fast, and then you get expensive. And, uh, <laughs> That's and, the progression, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And you do that. It, you honestly do that. Rick, you talked about building the business that you guys wanted to own. Can we just go back on that a little bit more? Obviously, furniture was a big part of what you've done over the years, but also restaurants and I know kind of some high, higher end automotive. Is that the safe way of saying? Yeah. yeah selective in that. How did, how did you go about that? I mean, it starts out with reputation. Meeting some of the the parts managers at some of these auto parts places, not the service manager, but the parts manager, where the guys or the girls come in and say, I've got the six-year-old, eight-year-old Lexus, and you know, my seat's not looking too good. And then they're they're looking it up and saying, Well, the seat cover costs, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars and another two hundred to install it. Now they have and people kind of go, What? Now they got another option, you know, now they got another avenue. And and we do a lot of Lexus, a lot of beamers, a lot of you know, everything from, I think we worked on one Rolls Royce, but, you know, Maseratis and, you know, all the, and you get that reputation. Plus we did uh, car shows, uh, car clubs, Mustang club, the, the German club, the Beamer club, the uh, Porsche club, which I'm a member of the, you know, there's lots of clubs out there and they're begging for people to come in and talk to them during their socials. And we work with uh, one of Lynn's cousin's son, who is a, electrical engineer from Clemson University. He helped us, and we're not really PowerPoint people, <laughs> but you know, Lynn's better than I am by, by far, but helped us pull together a beautiful PowerPoint presentation with music and slides and pictures. And, and I mean, people were just blown away by it, you know, by the professionalism in it. And, but the beauty of FiberDew is you not only get the car, you not only get the Porsche or the Beamer, you get the couch, you get the boat, you get yeah. the motorcycle, you get because they realize, yeah, that looks really good. Or the dentist office. Yeah. You know, those those are the people who are members of those car clubs. You know, once we got our foot out there and, you know, in 2009, you had to put your foot out there and, and you know, get yourself known. Uh, but as people became better at being, uh, you know, Google savvy, I guess, um, and what you had taught me so long ago was to do the little blog to to name it. So I would do the before and after pictures, but I made sure and name the kind of car it was. So when people would start, became better at Googling and looking for what their needs were, and if they put Lexus, whatever in, then our before and after pictures would pop up. Mm -hmm. So that was key as well in bringing more cars to us that were the cars that Rick wanted to work on, that we knew people were investing in. And, and a lot of times it's people who could go buy brand new tomorrow and pay cash for it. That wasn't the issue. They liked what they had. They wanted to keep it and they wanted to keep it in tip top shape. Mm -hmm. And the other thing with car lots, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys in Fiber to make a lot of money on car lots in our environment. We've got a lot of competition in this area where they've got, I call the wipe and spray boys. And, uh, you know, they can go in and wipe a car seat off and spray it for 60 or $80. Mm -hmm. And then those sometimes we'll get the call back from that customer saying, Hey, I, I bought a used car in the dye of the paints peeling off of it. And you know and exactly that, what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Or, they, or they spray paint on the side of the plastic or on the seat belt or, you know, you knew exactly what it was. 
we, we started picking up the, the upper and the cream of the crop. And you just did that by, by rubbing shoulders with those people through all the, the clubs and the associations. And then once you get the reputation out there, somebody says, well, your car looks great. Who did it? And then they call us, you know, so uh, it grows, you know, exponentially. Yeah. And like you said, then comes the call on the furniture and the, and yeah. the boats yeah. and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, countless times we would go to do a dental quote and a lot of times it'd be the dentist's wife who may be his office manager who would say, um, my Mercedes is in the parking lot. Could you have a look at that while you're here? You know, so we would many times, there were multiple times we would be doing dental office work and then do the dentist vehicles. And since we, you know, we kind of broke the ground for South Carolina, I don't know if there's five or six in the state now, yeah. there's three here in the upstate. Uh, so the name is out there now in, in most of the big environments, maybe not in all the small towns, but you know, it, it's kind of got a reputation of high quality, a little pricey, but high quality and excellent service. You know, I can't tell you how many times I, you know, Lynn's a great schedule. I'd show up at an appointment and they'd people late, you're on time. Nobody ever shows up on time, you know, and. Uh, or shows up sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, Isn't that so, incredible so, that that stands out as the uh, exception these days? Yeah. But that's just yeah. what so many do. times they'd say, thank you for calling me back. I'm like. <laughs> God, you know, you can't, people just fall over themselves saying, thank you for calling me back. Yeah. Like, wow. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> Thanks for calling us. That's just what we do, right? That, that's the way it works. What about some memorable jobs? Anything stick out? Well, I, I jotted down three and we've talked about a couple of them. I know uh, one of the early ones was uh, one of my favorite politicians from our state was Jim, Senator Jim DeMint. Uh, lives here in Greenville, has a house on Lake Kiwi also, but uh, uh, met him and his wife, uh, had a big sectional sofa. They bought it Macy's in New York and, uh, and had some, some color issues and, uh, got to meet him and his wife and beautiful people. And, uh, you know, just good conversations, good people. Uh, we did the big job about six years ago for George Strait, the country music star. Uh, he was Ooh. selling his, his, uh, King Air 10 passenger. They count the toilet as one of the seats, you know, they have seatbelt on the toilet but uh it's a fall down but anyway uh, we did that job um over a christmas a couple weeks before christmas they flew it into it was a small was a really neat story the company it was uh, he was selling it to buy a learjet you know he's one of the most popular most famous country singers in the world so he was upgrading but he was selling the king air and they're they're still very expensive even used but he was flying it into Greenville, which is a King Air hub uh, where they, they recondition them, you know, electronics and the engines. And they, it's like you get a big overhaul before you sell it. The, new, and the guy in uh, Matt Schmidt in St. Louis, uh, they also had a hub there. And he said he called and said they got this King Air and they're flying it into Greenville and uh, gave him your name. And they're going to call you about they, they want to get some, some work done on it before they sell it. So they flew in two weeks before Christmas, cold morning. It would be our first uh, aeronautic job. And uh, Lynn got all these samples of all the special leather. And uh, they put the, the lamb's wool in the, in the captain's seat and the co-pilot seat. So she had all these beautiful uh, little color cards and sample cards and uh, went out there on the, on the runway, uh, probably 30 degrees out. And the pilot and the co-pilot, the two young owners of the, the company were looking at it, and they were bringing call centers from India, which is a great thing, 
back into small town USA. So they needed a plane that could fly in and out of moderate to small airports and a King Air can do that. We got on, the, I got on the King Air, they closed it up and the, one of the owners said, you got that uh, music stick? And the other guy says, yeah. And he hands it to the captain, he plug it in and it's joined straight. And I, I'm not a big country music fan, but they listened to a song. He's turn it up. All right. All right, go to the next song and played like three songs. And then I, I said, well, you guys ready to look at color? And he said, well, you're the leather expert. You pick the color. <laughs> he said, we don't want to just dye them. We want the leather replaced on the whole plane. So we did a, about a $20,000 job over a span of two weeks. Yeah. A, another good reason to have a really good upholster working in conjunction with you. Agreed. So we bought, bought the approved treated leather and the approved treated um, lamb's wool mm -hmm. and uh, made them up and uh, learned how to glue them on, you know, because they're all aluminum frames. The airport took them out, set them next to the plane. I went and picked them up, took them home, stripped them, had the covers made, glued back on, brought them back, set them next to the plane. And, and uh, the guys there at, uh, at the hangar, the service manager said, your, your quality is better. You're much quicker than our own internal shop. And you were a little bit, I hate to say, but you're a little cheaper than they were too. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So it was all close to 20. We, you know, we had to buy the leather and the lamp schools. We probably had about $2,000 out of pocket, but probably still netted sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000 for two weeks' work. That was great. And that's a slow time of year over Christmas holidays. Yeah. That's right. But it, so it was perfect timing, wasn't it? The way we ended the year. And it was good for our upholster too. And it was, you know, Matt Schmidt, another fiber newer in St. Louis, not very close to here, reaching out to us and spreading the name. And uh, we would have never got the business without, without his intervention. So uh, it was good all the way around. And we've done multiple other smaller, more re-dye jobs for uh, uh, other airplanes. You know, once people find out about you and they Google you and, and you say, oh, yeah, we did George Strait's plane. And they say, oh, yeah, come look at mine, you know. <laughs> But another one that, that really was, was good for us, and we didn't even want to do this because it was out of Columbia, South Carolina, uh, was the inventor of the infrared grill. He's, I think he was a mechanical engineer, actually taught um, engineering at the University of South Carolina, but invented by chance the infrared grill. And um, they were having their 40th reunion of the, the first grill that they ever made. It's a company called TEC. Uh, thermal engineering uh, company. And uh, we met with his wife, who was a lawyer, beautiful 14,000 square foot house. Lynn kept trying to put the business off because they're about 80 miles from where we are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, saying, well, we were really not in our territory. And she was very uh, adamant, pushy and said, no, we're having this 40th party for the introduction. We didn't know at the time what it was, but we're having this big party. It's for this 40th reunion. And it was the introduction of the infrared girl and a uh, very smart guy. He's got over a hundred patents. Name is William Best. And I really kept trying to price it. So they would say, no, it was one of those. <laughs> and then I was like, okay. And then she, she didn't bought, you know, then it was okay. Well, here's what the pickup and delivery is going to be. And I thought, no way are they going to want us to go do pickup and delivery. And she's like, tell me what day you can be here. Another side funny story is they were having the, they needed it done very quickly because they just, she had found us. She knew about us though somehow. And, uh, and uh, she needed it done quickly. So we were in there 
picking them up and it was a beautiful big room with big fountains in it. And it was a straight in double door straight out. And we, we had to ask that before we went because it was Lynn and I had to go get these two very large sofas. You know, that's the other thing. Fiber New has kept us strong. As mm-hmm. we have gotten older, um, I really believe it, it has kept us in shape because it is the two of us doing heavy furniture and lifting. And I will go with Rick and lift all kinds of stuff. And we know how to maneuver and get through doorways and upstairs and turn corners and not mess anything up, especially on your way back in. What about horrific memories? <laughs> Things going wrong or stick out, stick out as, uh, oh man, I can't believe we did that. We, we did one for a an investment banker one of these guys, he had a Mercedes. He lived and went to his house to do it, to redye his steering wheel and his uh, his seat. And it was very light, off-white, perforated leather. And uh, while I was there, I had to go, I, I left to go to uh, the Mercedes dealership to price a couple of plastic parts that were broken that I didn't think I could fix. And it was such a nice new car, relatively new. And he thought I had left the job completely. And I'd gone to Home Depot to get some stuff to wrap the steering wheel because he wanted, he tells me at the last minute, oh, I got to drive my car tonight and there's no way I can't drive it. And I'm like, well, you really don't need to touch a steering wheel. So I went and got some of this special brown paper to wrap the steering wheel. Well, he did. He thought I had just left and I hadn't cleaned up properly. When I got back, he was extremely upset at me. <laughs> and then... And then he said something like, uh, you know, I said, well, you know, he'd call Lynn to see where I was. And I don't know if I hadn't picked up, but I got back there and he's basically, you know, very angry with me. And I was like, you know, I don't need this dude, you know. (laughs) Then he calls back a month or two later to say it was indigo dye transfer on the seats, you know, where you get from your blue jeans to say, well, it's back. And I, he says, well, are you going to stand behind? I said, well, I told you that it can come back very quickly if you wear blue jeans. He said, well, I never wear blue jeans. I said, I've only met you three times, dude. And you had blue jeans on all three times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> never wear blue jeans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I think he gave up on me after that. You know, so that, right? that was probably the, the worst day I've had. I don't, know if we've had. I don't have anything really that jumps out. You know, there's, there's learning lessons. Um, obviously, uh, a couple of times where we would, because of the furniture type work we would do, where you learn about heddle <laughs> in the fingertip areas, palm and fingerprint, forearms and, uh, and head, shoulders could walk in a house. And if they've got his and her seats, I knew immediately which was his and which was hers. And, and there's times where we initially tried to re-dye and then it would get tacky and gummy and you just know some things you know even when people would then later try to push us to do certain things we knew we shouldn't we just had to say no sorry we can replace that leather but we cannot and I think that's probably a big learning you know at first because you need the work and you want the work um, you try to do some things you know damn well you shouldn't and and everybody's going to do that but it'll come back and cost you time and money and an unhappy customer in the end. So it, it's just not worth it. It's hard to tell somebody that who is really needing the work though. I know that is a tough one. And some of the snakeskin 
Savaj, uh, you can't do those. I mean, you, can. you can. So uh, we learned that lesson. But Rick got really good at Savage. I mean, he can mimic, layer it on, and come back. It just—it's amazing to me that the work Rick could could blend, and no one would ever have known. And I spent a good bit of time with Eric and and uh, Chris on it too, because part of his confidence, uh, part of its layering, and part of its you know getting your core color, color and your your secondary colors. But uh, a lot of it's just confidence where you just don't really think you can do it. You can do it, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and then the other thing is we always do we, three-seater cushions. We always convince the customer, plus it's better financially for us to do all three cushions versus trying to do one and then match the other, you know, the person has the other two at, from the factory. And a lot of times we even do the arms. So you're doing, you know, what would have been a $200 cushion. Now you got a seven or $800, two arms and three cushions, you know, and it's – yeah. And it looks and it great. Does, and once you get it all, once you get the colors locked in, it doesn't take you much longer. And the better overall look. Explaining to people, and I always put that in writing, was the eye will flow if we do all three and the arms. And you've got horizontal, even if we're not doing the back, your eye's going to flow better and you're not going to have the stop and start look. And, and Lynn is so good at that. And we've worked a lot. She's worked a lot with Chris and Eric on that, is setting the expectations and then putting them in writing. So there's no question you know, here's what we're going to do and here's what it's going to look like. And it may not be exactly what you're used to, but it, the eye is going to flow and it's going to be most other people are not going to walk in a room and it's going to jump out at them. In fact, they're probably not going to be able to find the, what we've done. And right. uh, you got to put that in writing, though. You got to you, know, you don't just want to walk in and do the job and walk out and uh, not have that all preordained, you know. Especially when with us, we would be doing, you know, a lot of times we were doing $2,000 jobs easily on a sofa or a couple of matching chairs if there was leather replacement involved and all. So yeah. I'm very detail oriented in that regard yeah. and explaining um, things, the process and what can be expected and what we can and can't do. Yeah. And Lynn mentioned earlier, and it can't be overstated, is you, you have to go out and find a couple, maybe three good upholsters that are going to be, they're going to understand your business model. Like the guy that does a couple that does our, our cars and boats, they understand, especially on cars is that I got the car sitting in my driveway and I've told the customer in two, two and a half days, he's going to pick it up. So you got to stop what you're doing and I'll give you a little bit of a premium for that. And, and our average bill with that upholster is probably eight to $900 a month that we're giving them business. So that's paying their rent. You know, and so they they drop and not all upholsters will do that or not all fiber renewers will ask for that. And then we have another lady that does our furniture who's a lot more precise and, you know, she's just more detail oriented and it, her stitching is better than you get by with a little bit of, you know, mis, misalignment on a car seat. But, uh, and you know, so you need that. And that's they're critical parts of our business. And uh, and that husband and wife, they're, they're going to be lifelong friends of ours, you know. Right. Uh, they gave us they gave us a going away present, you know, really? retirement <laughs> gift. Yeah. They did. That was our first um, card and uh, a gift card for a restaurant here. Wow. Where we would normally go with them to drink tequila, they gave. <laughs> so we'll have them over. <laughs> yeah. You have to be person. Have a lot of perseverance. You know, it's it's not going to. I mean, the internet, Google, and the AdWords all help you a lot right now, but. You got to have confidence and perseverance. You got to, you can't just stick your toe in the water. I think the guys that fail are the, the toe stickers. You know, they, 
they think it's just kind of a golden highway and you got to get out there and, and practice and, and try and, you know, do things that you don't think you can do that you probably can do. You just have to get up every morning and, uh, and do them, get out there and talk to people. And uh, I, I think that that's where, you know, if you think it's just, it all sounds very good, but if you're not a go-getter and a self-starter and, uh, you know, a pioneer in some cases, you're not going to make it. Nobody likes getting up in front of a group and giving a speech, but, you know, once you do it a couple of times and you're well prepared, these clubs, they love you. I mean, you could just step all over it and they still love you, you know, because you, you know, you're giving them so much more than they get from anybody else. And, uh, and business comes. So when, when my um, cousin's son, so my second cousin, when he helped us do this um, presentation for the years ago, and we were doing it first at the Porsche club is Rick Scalo 71 Targa. And, um, he actually put the music to the background that was uh, Carrie Underwood's song that says in the part of it, I carved my name in his leather seats. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was that, so that worked. Yeah. <laughs> the background music is everyone was gathering and having drinks and all before the presentation, but we had Carrie Underwood singing in the background and then we came out talking about what to do for your leather seats. That's awesome. So it was playing on like three videos. So they, you know, it got their attention, you know. What I like about that and what, what I'm hearing there is have fun with it as well. Exactly. You have fun with it. Yeah. So, so neat about some of the calls after the last technical session, we had the, the after hours and, and had everybody linked in and having a beer and, and just kind of having a little fun. You know, it is, you know, people ask me, what, you know, what about franchise? There's a lot of different kinds of franchises out there, but Fiber New is, is relatively unique in that it is more like an extended family. People will stop what they're doing to help you. Uh, you're not only the technical team, but, you know, you can get into it with something and call Bill Metropole or, or call, you know, Dan Hoffman or call whoever or call each other and just bounce ideas off of them. And, and uh, it's, just, it's just different, you know? It's true. We've got a, a pretty unique culture here, I think, of just, think so. just like-minded people who uh, want to help each other. Yeah. And, and, and the system that you've developed and used versus, you know, we looked at three or four different franchises, uh, cabinet refinishing and window tinting and uh, restoration, like uh, for water damage, that type of restoration. Yeah, clean and those, I think it was four. And the, the system of, you know, setting a rate and then increasing it gradually over time, but not going after a percentage of revenue and a marketing fee. Uh, you know, those can be real stifling and they can help a lot, but they can be very expensive too. And you can, if you want to make a thousand bucks a week, if you want to make 5,000 a week, you know, Fiber News is going to not going to try to jump into your back pocket and grab some of it. You know, it's, they're going to get what they think they deserve and the rest of it's for you. So uh, I think that attracts a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, you know? Yeah. And that is unique in franchising. You're right. Cause yeah. we're, we're uh, not, the uh, the general rule there is usually percentage based royalties yeah. right so yeah yeah or, and that attracts a lot of good people to you Absolutely. and then deciding how you want to grow the business or not uh, whether you want to hire technicians or not you can do whatever works for you in your business plan absolutely absolutely what about advice in working together do what she <laughs> says <laughs> you learn you know how to communicate better you learn how to 
let the little things not bother you. You know, she's great at certain things that I'm not good at. I'm good at certain things that she's not good at. You learn to kind of play off each other's strengths and and not focus on the weaknesses, you know. And, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean they're not there and discussed occasionally. <laughs> but, um, but, or, you know, and it's good to have that second set of eyes because a lot of times, so if we're doing a major overhaul on a sofa, a big sofa, um, we a lot of times we'd be doing that together. Most automotive Rick's doing almost 100% on his own. But furniture was really more my niche in working with him and finishing touches, and especially when it was aniline. That was something we could bring here. And once he had the color, he's, he's the color specialist, not me. So once he had everything ready to go, then I could go to town on the aniline while he would be out doing other jobs. And I could just go from office and scheduling to shop and working on aniline, you know, and let it sit and back and forth. So you kind of are juggling and, and keep things rolling. But when it, it's good to have that second set of eyes, you need to stop, put it down, walk away, and then come back. The, the toughest lesson for Rick would be when he would say to me, you need to come out here and, and um, before I top coat it, I'm like, well, hell, call me before you top coat it. Because then if I come out and I see a spotty mist or that I'm not quite happy with, because I'm very picky that way. And I treated every piece of furniture as if it were my own. And I want to see it in different lights of day. I'm opening shutters. I'm turning on fluorescent lights. I'm turning them off. I've got the garage open. I want morning sun, afternoon sun. I want to look at it, I rotate it, take it in full daylight. I'm that picky. So, so we, a couple of times, I'm not going to say how many, but a couple of times we had the conversation about, Lynn, you like to step over a dollar to pick up a nickel, <laughs> which always not ended well. <laughs> but I, I want to look at it with a flashlight, with a fluorescent light, with daylight. You know, it's yeah. got to be right. The details. You're, you're, the, you're details. the detail person. Yeah. So, okay. And so that's to his advantage because yeah. he is more the big, not that he's not, I don't mean that he's not detailed. He's not as detailed as I am. And so there's what you, where you find each other's strengths. And so my feedback could drive him crazy, honestly. And I understand that because I am very picky. But at the same time, it meant when it went back to them, there weren't going to be, you could, you know, a lot of times you don't want to go ready to deliver a sofa, a, an eight or $10,000 sofa. And then there's a spot, on, we missed a spot, you know? That's right. Yeah. It's, it's a good partnership that way. If you have both those going on between the yeah. two of you. So. And as far as. Um, and it does prepare you for retirement. Because of his hands, he has men hands, rougher hands. They don't feel what I feel. So I would come out if he had been sanding something and it wasn't just a visual, but if somebody's going to sit on it, I want it to be very smooth. I don't want to feel roughness. My hands could feel that more than his could, you know? So a lot of times I would be looking with my hands before I even put my eyes to it. I don't even want my eyes to look at something. I'm looking with my hands first and then I let my eyes follow suit. Again, that's After the detail. That's the and tell him how to get it wrong. <laughs>
to Lynn through all of your years of experience in Fiberdale and all of the lessons learned along the way. Do you have any parting advice for current franchise owners looking to expand their business and or potential franchisees looking at Fiberdale? For me, I, and Rick would, I think too, mm-hmm. but the upper end furniture, not even just your average furniture, upper end furniture, get your foot in the door um, we did cold calls as well as I had. I wrote up an email introductory letter and went and did a Google search for interior decorators in our area. And if any interior decorator had an email address, I copy and pasted and introduced ourselves and, and just kept trying to put the word out. And if we were out driving around, we would know where we wanted to stop to introduce ourselves to those interior decorators. And they've used us a lot of times and they're doing the the homes for the doctors and the lawyers and there's the furniture needs right there. And and again, that's where you go from upper end furniture to the Mercedes and the Lexus and the boat out back. So not only those dental offices and, and all, but I would say zero in on the upper end furniture market. And these people who have used interior decorators and bought the best of the best in furniture know that it was meant to fit perfectly in that $3 million home that's facing the water on the lake. And they want to keep that furniture because it was meant to go in that room. So again, they could go buy new, but they want what they have. That's right. Yeah. It's more about keeping it in place. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's always one of my taglines when I would be doing a quote, if I was doing a $2,000 quote to, to make the value known and understood after I've given the breakdown of all the work and what the time would be. And here's what will happen. My right before I put our signature at the bottom, Um, it's always was going to say we strive to keep our overall restoration work to within 30% of current comparable replacement value until we have achieved that with this quote. And let us know if you have any questions. And that's my bottom line. That's my last, the last thing I want them thinking about is that we're doing it within 30% of current comparable replacement. And like if they that. paid $12,000 for that sectional sofa, they like to hear 30%. And, and we've done that over and over and over. Do people comment on it? Do they push back or do they say, oh, Hey, yes. I like this or what's the, the well, feedback? Again, Occasionally, just in the last month, we went out and did a, a big quote. And since we were going to be running some other errands, we drove Lynn's uh, Cadillac. She had XT5. And, and as soon as the guy comes walking up with the dog or just walking, just walking up, oh, I know this quote's going to be expensive because you came to do the quote in the Cadillac. <laughs> so we knew that was going to be a problem there. And it turned out that his email was kind of like, wow, it almost blew my head off. Well, he asked if we could negotiate. And I don't. Because let me tell you, we were never going to make him happy because he, he already had in mind that we were charging too much. So right. no matter how much we negotiated, we were never going to make him happy. He's going to find something else. Yeah. 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 We very, 
very, very rarely have ever offered a discount. And if, if we did, it would have been 5% or on, a, on multiple doing multiple jobs, but never, we never start yeah. off there. We don't negotiate, you know. No, because I really come back and I do research for the furniture. I already know before I would ever state that fact, I've already researched the furniture and I know what that would cost if they were going to a furniture store and buying new. I already know if it's a Hancock and Moore or whoever, I know what it would cost them. I, so I know we're within 30%. Or I would never say that. It, it gives it an anchor. It gives it a, a reference point. Back to your question. It's really been extremely little negative about Vibranew from our vantage point. Yeah. It's been extremely positive and, and you know, just, just a good relationship. It, it has been a really good fit for us. The, f- the first year or two, to be honest, Jesse, I had people still knocking on my door for getting me back into manufacturing. And I can't say I didn't consider them a couple of them because they were really good opportunities. But then I looked at what we were doing and the potential for what we were doing. And the fact that I didn't like traveling a lot. Uh, it's not as glorious as most people think it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of, like I said, a lot of corporations, the senior you know, I was one level below the senior board and they were all cutthroat. They didn't really care about anything except their bonus and their lifelong benefits. And, you know, the, the one to three year, three to five year flip, you know, and I didn't, I'm not that kind of guy, you know, so yeah, I had to get out and didn't want to get back in because I, they weren't that different. You know, they were paying well and, and right. but they really weren't that different when you peel back the onion. Yeah. So. You're, Going back into the same situation that you just left is, yeah. is what it was in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and Rick's not exactly a yes sir kind of guy. <laughs> He's more of a yes ma'am. Kind That's of right. <laughs> exactly, Jesse. All right, guys. Well, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for taking the time, and really happy for you guys. This, this is exciting, right? Yes. <laughs> You're living the dream. It's fallen into place. It is. It really is. was the bridge that got us here. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, right. And we'll stay in touch, okay? All right. Thanks, Jesse. Hey, All guys. Right. Take care. Take care. Bye for now.